0: Welcome to the Whole Assistant Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Kroner. I'm an assistant who's passionate about our profession, and I'm also a certified coach who's invested in your success. You've come to the right place if you want to know what it looks like to stand in your power and achieve success as an assistant free from overwhelm and burnout. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, everyone. So thank you so much for tuning in today. I am joined today by Melissa Peoples of Admin Gurus. And uh, I'm going to have Melissa introduce herself. But before I do, I just want to share that Melissa and I are going to be doing a day of kind of masterminding here in Denver with <clears throat> senior level or more experienced EAs. Um, and we're really excited about that day, right? You're going to walk away with like uh, boots on the ground strategies and also a plan of action. It's our goal to that. We're actually going to outline our plan moving forward. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a good time for us all to get out of the weeds. We're going to keep the group really small. So I just wanted to plug that. So please go to wholeassistant.com slash EA dash revolution dash Denver um, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes below. So you can check the show notes below for that link. And it's on May 19th. So Friday, May 19th, and we'd love to have you join us. Um, yeah, Melissa, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are. And then I'm going to share kind of how these conversations go with us. Cause otherwise people may just be lost, <laughs> but let's just start out by having you introduce yourself. Um,
1: Okay. All right. Hey, everyone. So my name is Melissa Peoples. I am based in Austin, Texas. So I'm an executive assistant coach and a corporate trainer. I am a certified Microsoft trainer, been in the industry for 25 years. And now I got to do what I love and help train and educate other executive assistants to go crush it on their own. So thanks for having me, Annie. I'm
0: so excited. Of course. I feel like you and I could have our own podcast where we just where we just banter back and forth and we can call it musings of Melissa and Annie. But, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> but that's probably not gonna happen anytime soon. So it's like, thank you so much
1: for being here.
0: <laughs> um so we are just gonna like it's fascinating whenever Melissa and I get online together, we start chatting and then we just can't like we just come up with all these amazing ideas and we've got all these great concepts to that we go over for you guys and I think kind of how I want to steer this conversation is to kind of talk about good time management strategies and kind of maybe like break down some of the more detrimental things that we've just kind of ingested without even realizing that we have ingested. Um, So where I'm going to start off with in this conversation is talking about multitasking, because I think Melissa and I both have very strong opinions of multitasking, but I feel like my history with multitasking is really interesting because I used to like be a strong believer in multitasking. I used to think that I could do multiple things at once and that I could like do all the things um and do them all simultaneously and do them all well. Did you did you ever believe in multitasking? Or was you or were you always just on it?
1: Um I think that I you like early on in my career, I think that I was, but I'm also the person who one of my biggest pet peeves is when I'm talking to somebody and they're doing 12 other things. Mm -hmm. I, that's just sort of uh, one of my biggest pet peeves. So I think early on in my career, I disengaged in in multitasking because I never wanted anyone else to feel that way when I was talking to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also just realized that I couldn't be fully present. And for me, some of the biggest mistakes in my career, I try to learn from and one time I almost did not get, well, okay, to be truthful, I did not actually finish booking that flight um, because I was multitasking. I let somebody disrupt me and then I didn't end up doing, thank, thank God I caught it and was like, oh my God. But I, for those moments, I learned really quickly that that was not the way for me to go. I didn't, I was not interested in, but I do think it's a prideful thing in our industry. Most of us have been like, oh my God, I'm just, I can multitask and do all the things, but can you? yeah can we
0: yeah yeah I will say that my value add to my executive and organization came well first of all two things happened (laughs) and I'm constantly talking about these two things especially with my clients and if you listen to this podcast for any amount of time you will be familiar with them that really transformed how I work and the first one was creating a task tracking system that worked for me yeah and for me, it had to be digital and it couldn't be in my inbox. Like I wasn't going to send myself an email to do something the next day. That wasn't a good system because then when I'm home at night on the couch relaxing and something comes to my brain, then I'm opening up email to send myself an email. Like that was just a hard pass because then I then you, then you go down the rabbit hole when you don't want to. Um, so for me, I use Trello to manage everything. So that's the first thing that kind of transformed... How I show up at work, and then the second thing that really transformed how I work is when I decided that I was going to close out of email.
1: Yeah,
0: (laughs) and I know, like, that a lot of you probably just had very strong thoughts about closing out of your inbox. You could just hear collectively, everyone went, "Yeah." Like I've actually had executive assistants where I've been coaching them on these things. And she's like, the sky will literally fall Annie, if I do not have if, if, if it's not open. Like they it will literally. I'm like, no, that's just a thought. That's just an optional thought that you're choosing to think. It's not the actual reality. Um, but I think those two things transformed my my work life so much that I'm like, okay. What else, like what other efficiencies can I create throughout my day? How else can I create more focus for myself? How can I like really manage all of those pieces? Right. So, yeah. Um, do you what, like what couple of things transformed your work life for you? Like, what are the like two or three things that have just been completely transformative?
1: So, you know, I always like to tell people when I started my productivity journey, which it is a journey and it's a long game, it's not a short game because. If we could all wake up tomorrow and do all the best practices, there would be no like self-help. We'd all be at our goal weight. Like that's not what that looks like. So to me, it is a journey. And when I very first started, it was I had to because I was trying to juggle the demands of my son and his medical needs and still be a full-time EA. And how did I do both effectively? Um, and so that to me, and I knew that I couldn't take care of my son in the way that he needed to if I was drowning in work. And my um my executive be like, yeah, that's fine if you need to go do hashtag all the things. So for me, it was me being really, really intentional and I knew that I needed to give myself some bandwidth. Um so I would agree a hundred percent that was the so what I always like to say is there's three things that I try to get a hold of. One was inbox mayhem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the second thing that I had to get a control of was um, the never ending game of calendar Tetris, and then the third, wa- the third was taming that task list because it also felt never ending and that it was just like a task list gone wild. So those were the three things for me, and I think for most of the assistants where we feel and have the most demand in our role. So I one hundred percent can relate to what that feels like closing out of that inbox. But then I think there's also little micro learnings in there. So for me, part of that was building the system on how I manage my inbox. It was also me thinking through um, like time boxing and how I was gonna, could I batch similar items Mm -hmm. together so I could go faster. So it was, like I said, a journey. But I think for me, the biggest piece was one recognizing that I didn't have a system for any of those things that was really effective and worked with how my brain was processing information. Once I unlocked that, then things really began to open up. And then now you ask me almost anything. I have a system behind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think creating effective systems for ourselves. So one of the things that I touched on um, in last week's podcast episode was like, like looking for the one right way to do something. And a lot of us have this idea that there's like only one right way to do something. And so we seek out a coach or we seek out an expert or we think that the solution's outside of ourselves (laughs) instead of doing what you did, which is looking at how your brain takes in information, creating systems that work for you to manage your workload. Now, I'm not saying that there's no such thing as best practices What I am saying is that sometimes we need to trust ourselves that we know what's best for us instead of always looking outside of ourselves for the solution. And also at the same time, like there's a there's the kind of the shadow side to the one right way of doing something, where we've done something for so long, we're very seasoned, we are convinced that our way is the one and only right way, and everybody else should come on over and do things our way because we've been at the company for so long and because we believe that this is the right way to do something, right? So either either the executive assistant is or the assistant is getting so like worried that they aren't doing the thing the right way, or they are so consumed with how they do things and believe that it is the right way that they try to impose that on other people. And so I, I do think, though, that like working with your brain on systems that make sense for you, like people always ask me, should I use Office Auto or should I use Trello? And I'm like, they're both different and they both have different things and they both have different benefits and do what do what you think is best. My two guidelines are digital and central. To my two guidelines for a task management system, as long as it's digital, as long as it's central, you know, it's all in what you want the system to do for you. So Office Otter, for example, will actually quantify your tasks and spit out reports at the end of the month based on all that you got done in that month, right? Uh, Which is really kind of a cool way to quantify your stuff. Trello doesn't do that. So it's just all a matter of like, and then you're a Microsoft guru and trainer and all the things and like... You have, like, you have your system that's in in Microsoft land for managing everything. And that's its own unique thing. But I feel like no system is perfect. So expecting perfection from our systems and expecting perfection for ourselves and not actually tapping into, like, how you're thinking about things and utilizing that knowledge to, like, create those systems is holding a lot of us back.
1: Yeah, I would, I would. 100% 100% agree with all that. The other thing that I would say is that, and I'm sure you hear this all the time too, is that people are always looking for a magic wand, some fairy dust, the, the, the newest app, like what is the thing that's going to fix my challenges? And what I always tell people is that you're never going to find this in an app. It is not an app. There's thought work that you have to do to figure out what's broken, what's missing, where the gaps are. I could tell you a hundred different ways for you to manage your inbox. But if you still have a mindset that says, I have to be in there every second and the sky is going to fall if I close it out, that's a mindset issue. And none of the tips and tricks that are going to help you to manage it are going to fix that mindset. So you're going to be constantly, you know, I like to say that you're prioritizing in squirrel mode because, you know, it's like every time you see a shiny new email, you have to go do the thing, which kills your productivity um, and helps you, you know, just increase that mindset of like, oh, my God, I have to do the thing. So I always encourage people that if you want to think about how do I stop doing and, and erasing some of these negative behaviors, you have to do the thought work that says, okay, this is the challenge that I have. This is the habit that I'm going to build. And once I have that established, I'm going to move on to the next one. So there's not a perfect app either. There's a bunch of different tools that can help you do the thing, but how is your brain processing it and how do you lean into that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like we try to action our way out of a thought problem. Yeah right? Like we're trying, we're over here, like, well, if I just run faster, harder, longer, then having my inbox open won't be an issue. (laughs) And it's like, no, no, I hear what you're saying, but here's the deal. We actually have to look at our thoughts and how, and, and the results those thoughts are creating for us. Cause our thoughts create our feelings, which then create actions, which then create our results. So you really do have to go back to like how you're deciding to think about something in order to move past it. So if, If the dream would be to close out of your inbox, and if that sounds like the most amazing thing but doesn't feel doable right now, examine why. Just ask yourself, like, why don't I think that this is doable? Or do I feel like as a part of my job that I'm obligated to keep it open? Um, Have I trained people that I'm going to be super responsive to email? Who do I need to talk to in order to close out of my email? What is going to – if I were to close out of my email, what would that look like? And then just starting small too. I think that's another thing. Like I got to the point at the end of my like long tenure as an executive assistant for my last executive where I was not checking email for a couple hours yeah, because I had built that muscle. But when I first started, it was like 20 minutes, half hour, I got to check, you know, (laughs) like going back and like asking myself, but did I start there? Like, no, I didn't. So then it's just encouraging you to close your inbox just to see what happens let's just see if we're closing our inbox with like would this guy fall or and then what happens is your brain will create evidence that it's okay oh okay yeah. nothing bad or terrible happened my executive knew he could always text me if he needed me blah blah, blah right like so it, it is like cutting that stream off at some point because like I coach assistants on burnout all the time and We're so burnt out because we're trying to do all the things and, and like, we think that we can get ahead of it, but when you're in that place of like stumbling and you can't actually get your footing, then you're just making lots of mistakes. And it's, it's, it's a really challenging place to be, to be in. Right. So, yeah,
1: I like to think about, I kind of go back to when I really started getting, control of inbox mayhem. And what I was realizing is that I had over 500, I was on average, I was getting over 500 emails a day. Now, if I gave each one of those emails one minute, there's 480 minutes in a working day, if you give it, you know, eight hours. One minute, if I gave each email one minute, then I'm spending eight and a half hours almost just literally reading emails. That's not doing all of the things. And so you have to think through, if you ask me today, do you have an exact process? I could walk you through the step-by-step process that I've done forever that allowed me to get through 500 emails on average in 32 minutes. Now, I'm not doing the work, but I'm triaging and understanding what the, the work is. And then I have all day to get those actions done. Without that, I'm literally drowning and just reading email. And that's not even doing the work. So, you know, how... How beneficial is it really to our executives, to our career, and to our own our own mental load not to have a process in place? In, in my mind, it's pretty detrimental. And you have to think through, like, what is the best practice? Am I implementing those back best practices? Or am I just drowning? And I always have people who say this, I don't have time to learn. And I'm like, but you're the person who has to. If you feel like you don't have time because you're drowning to learn a couple new things that will help you not drown. Um, you're the first person that needs to raise your hand and and ask for help.
0: Yeah. And I too would say that that's, that's a thought you need to examine. Yeah. Like otherwise you're going to spend all of your life playing this whack-a-mole game where it's just like whack, 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 and everything will hold equal weight because we aren't thinking strategically about our workload and we aren't prioritizing effectively and we aren't actually showing up in the way that we want to from a place of empowerment for our work. Our work is driving us instead of us driving initiatives forward. Right. So like creating these systems for yourself really does alleviate a lot of the stress and a lot of the anxiety that's going on and like getting out of the weeds and taking like a step back and like, getting a clear picture of what actually needs done. And yeah. like, it's, it, it's a key component to strategic partnering because if you're showing up from a place of, I can't even, I can't, I don't, I can't even take the time to learn a new system or implement a new system, then there is, the, there is no strategy for managing everything. The, the strategy is the systems. Yeah. <laughs> and it's thinking strategically about those systems. Can
1: I say something slightly spicy and maybe controversial? Of course, always. So I have a really firm belief that if you are unable to, specifically as um, an administrative professional, if you're unable to implement some of these best practices um, that optimize your workflow, you're going to have a very hard time convincing me that you're going to be able to do it effectively for an executive because you've never thought through the strategies behind, how do I optimize my workflow? What is workflow optimization? What does it look like? What are the um, challenges? Where are you know where are there gonna be bumps in the road? How do I get beyond them? And if you can't think through that for yourself and implement them, it's very difficult for you then to go do that for someone else. Um, and I think that this is something that we miss. We expect to be able to do this for our executives, but then, um we've never done it for ourselves, and I think that that's a pretty big miss
0: yeah yeah that is something to consider and also like it's really hard to know how to do it for someone else if you haven't done it like how do you even know how do you even conceptualize how to do it right yeah because most of us our executives put equal weight on everything yeah which is why it feels like most of the time like they're just throwing glitter everywhere and we're left to kind of like go around and try and pick up the pieces and put it back in the bottle because they're like yeah i'll meet with my like this person three levels down from me on a regular and consistent basis because i want to make them happy and i want everyone to feel supported and all the things instead of like no what is the most strategic use of your time in this moment like actually Helping him get clear on his priorities. And part of this will help you get clear on your priorities too. It's kind of a chicken or the egg thing there, right? Like, yeah. Once you're clear on your executive's priorities, your priorities become somewhat clear, but it's going to be hard for you to get clear on anybody's priorities if you're constantly playing this game of whack-a-mole and trying to catch up and like feel like you're drowning. It's going to be hard to even think in that way of like, how do I help my executive articulate what the priorities are for this month or this quarter, or, um, you know, the first half of the year, or whatever the time frame that you want to kind of hone in on it's. Yeah. So like really like thinking strategically taking a day or an afternoon to step back and be like, what is not working?
1: <laughs> Have you ever, um, are you a fan of brain dumps?
0: Oh my gosh. I call them thought downloads and I do one every day. <laughs>
1: Right? I love them. And you know what is so funny is because in my group, so when I'm coaching with assistants, this is one of the things that I ask them to do. And it is really interesting to see so many assistants really struggle with the whole concept of brain dumping or what do you call it? Thought?
0: Thought downloads.
1: Yeah, thought downloads. And I think it's an interesting thing for us to consider because most executives that I know are very used to doing some version of this. They're used to getting their their thoughts and their ideas out and then being able to prioritize and think it through. And that was also a big shift for me is when I started doing that. I also figured out, um, I love paper. And I mm-hmm. still, there is something that happens with, you know, in your brain. I'm gonna sneeze. <laughs> Thinking about it. Um, so there's something that happens in your brain differently when you write it versus when you type it. And I know for me, I don't enjoy doing brain dumps or that downloads on digitally. For me, I like to do it with my coffee, sitting on my couch, you know, or early in the morning when I don't have my computer on and I can just get everything in my head out. Um, it, there is something for me that just really helps me when I'm writing things down. But I've even realized that this system that I even have built on when and how I write things out, like it doesn't make sense for me to write something, write a note down if it's digital. If it's an email, I'm not writing it down. If I have this random thought and idea, one way that I avoid multitasking is I have a very specific system. Like, so raise your hand if you're the kind of person that's like, I'm definitely always gonna take notes. At some point. Do you, Annie? Because I know you're very digital. Do you write notes at all throughout the day?
0: It's so funny that you asked that because unlike you, I actually have a disability in my left side and I'm left-handed. So the only way that I can actually get the thoughts out is if I'm sitting at my computer typing them. Like to write in a notebook actually creates lots of stress in my arm and, and my shoulder. So um, and I used to be a I used to love journals and my paper journals and all of that, but like for me, I have it. Like I've got a Google Doc, and I it's actually yeah. called Thought Downloads 2023, <laughs> and I've had them for the last four years. So like starting 2019, um, and so I'll sit down and I'll just do like dump in the morning. And what's so fascinating is like I'll be feeling kind of funky, and I'll be like, huh, "Why do I feel funky?" And then I'll, after my thought download, I'm like, "No wonder I'm feeling so funky. I'm thinking all these thoughts. They're causing oh, you to have feel all this so stuff funny. in your head." Yeah. Yeah, and then you can kind of see it and like then it starts to lose its power, starts to like diffuse a little bit, even just by the acknowledgement of it outside of yourself, right? So I will say that piece. Like it is hard for me to journal, but I am totally tracking with what you're saying and with regards to like getting it all out of your head. And yeah. that's that's also one of the reasons why I like having a task tracking system, because we carry so much in our heads and Having that piece externalized to where you can see it outlined and you can see what I'm going to work on today, what I've got planned to work on tomorrow, white, white spaces in my calendar, you know, all of that kind of thing, the things and holding patterns that I need to follow up yeah. on. Um, it's just, is it, it just relieves the brain of so much pressure to remember everything. And so I, I, I will say that I do believe in task, um, um multi-tracking not multitasking but I multi-track with a system on my computer I don't multi multi-track in my head <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. well you know the thing that one of the things that I come across all the time when we're thinking about some of that stuff is we generally as assistants we have this concept that there is a deadline of this second all the time that Actually, going. What am I doing today, tomorrow, this week, next week? Is really not a concept that we embrace very well. It's pretty much what I have to do this second right now. It's all do right now. (laughs) And being more intentional about setting your deadlines and being, as you're building whatever system it is that you end up building, if I'm very clear on these things have to happen today, like I have to get these out today, and then being honest with myself, can I actually get those things done today? versus what can actually happen tomorrow or later this week. But because we don't do that process and we're not very good in the that version of prioritization, we feel this pressure of doing it all right now. And then hence, a lot of the multitasking. And let's be honest, mistakes happen when you're multitasking. Burnout happens when you're you know, putting this pressure, feeling like I have to do. And not only do I have to be everything to every person, I have to do all things. Like there's just no way. For us to physically do the amount of load, uh, like workload that we're putting on ourselves and we get stressed out and we get frustrated and we feel like, you know, there's just a whole culmination of things that happen. So I think a huge thing is forcing yourself to be realistic with deadlines and sticking to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to kind of touch on something that you just said about like feeling this immediate need to get the test done. So it doesn't even land on your to-do list, right? It's like, well, if I just do it now, then I won't have to think about it. <laughs> OK, um, uh, what happens when you've got a million of those, and like you aren't actually getting the high level priorities done because you're down here in the weeds doing these little things that haven't actually been properly prioritized. But here's what happens. Like I just kind of want to break it down further. Like you get a dopamine hit when you complete tasks, like so you get yes. so like what's happening is, you see a task you take care of it right away you get the dopamine hit from completing it you feel good for like a second and then you get the next thing and then same thing complete it dopamine hit and and we're just kind of chasing this hit of dopamine and like this yes i whacked them all i got it and then but what <laughs> happens there is that your brain will just get overwhelmed and so exhausted because you're actually not thinking strategically about your workload you're actually not properly prioritizing because you're just kind of a dopamine junkie at that point. Right. Like we, we like there's something chemical that happens and I just want to acknowledge it. Cause I think sometimes that we just, we forget that piece that to actually like take a step back and take a step out of the weeds and take time to learn, it will be uncomfortable. And to, especially if you have gotten in the habit of like hitting the moles just as they pop up. Right. So I would encourage us all like, I think I'm just going to create a t-shirt that says this embrace discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> like the discomfort of taking the time to learn a new strategy, the discomfort of actually implementing the strategy, the discomfort of trial and error as you go down this path of creating systems that work for you. Like all of that is going to, it's going to take some delayed gratification yeah. for your brain in order to achieve. But once you achieve it, The load on your brain is going to be so much less and the payout is going to be so much more and so much higher than that instant dopamine hit of accomplishing the task.
1: That's so good. And I think for, do you want to talk about some of the things that we do? I have like a whole list of all the things. Oh
0: yeah, I would love it. I think this could be a really valuable episode if we actually talk about systems that we put in place and how we, and how we came to that conclusion. Yeah, go for it.
1: So off the top of my head, I think that these are the ones that I've built. Okay, so off the top of my head, these are the ones that I can think of that I have started implementing. So beyond um, the inbox management, which I have a very specific process, I'm happy to share with anyone if you're in the Outlook ecosystem. Um, The one I would say around it, though, is I don't care what ecosystem that you're in, you have to triage your inbox. Um, I don't care what filters that you're using or what strategies you are using for the inbox management, but um, triaging your inboxes is is a really big one. But then some of the other things that I've implemented, and these are really just productivity hacks, um, my biological prime time. Do you know what yours is?
0: Yeah, I do my best, most creative work in the mornings, and then I do all the redundant tasks that need to get done, like data entry, like that sort of thing in the afternoon.
1: Oh, me too. Like when I wake up in the morning, as soon as my eyes open, like that's when I'm the most creative. I'm the most awake. I'm ready to go change the world. But there are some people who are not like that. And they need. like my husband is very much not like that. He needs a good hour before he's had his coffee and then he's ready to go do all the things. So I have really tapped into my biological prime time, and that's when I do the heaviest uh, lifting. Um, I am a big believer, in and I know you are too, about planning your week. So doing a weekly kickoff as well as a weekly debrief. So really planning out and time boxing my whole week, really reverse engineering what those deliverables are, and then figuring out when and how. And it's not just my work life. It's my whole life. hmm Right. Like when, yeah. or, when when my kids were at home, my kids are older and, and grown now. But when am I like for now that they're uh now that they're grown, when am I gonna go get my grandkids from school? When am I gonna go to the farm? When am I gonna go grocery shopping? Like literally my whole life on my calendar. I manage my life just like I did my executive business partner.
0: So Can I just pause you right there for just a second. Yeah. Cause I'm gonna address like the roadblock to that. Cause I know a lot of you just threw up roadblocks in your heads. So, and the roadblock is, well, what if there's a fire drill? I put out so many fires at the office. So I don't know about you, Melissa, but I always created two or three hours of white space in my day for those fire drills. Just because I knew, like, if you know, they're going to come, you can plan for those too. So it's not that like, like just, just realize and recognize that everything in your, in, on your calendar is movable and negotiable. This is not set in stone and create the white space in your, throughout your day to be able to address those things.
1: I like to tell people it's a framework, not a prison. Right. And like the way that my brain works, it actually doesn't bother me at all. If I have to move something around. It doesn't bother me at all. I know, though, that I've also coached assistants who it bothers them so much when they move something, because they actually feel like a failure when they have to move it. I didn't accomplish that. And now I've got it. And so it really bothers them in that way. For me, the way that my brain works, it just doesn't. But again, going back to it's important for you to understand yourself. And understand what are those roadblocks and what are those moments going to be that you're going to naturally go, oh, I don't like that. And then you just give up the whole process and you don't ever try. And so I love that idea of like building in the white space and then just be okay to move it around. Yeah. Again, framework, not a prison, right? Um, But for me, it really does help me decide because one of the other challenges I think that we have as administrative professionals is we think we have so much time, especially because many assistants don't use their calendars effectively. And so they look at their calendar and like, oh, I've got all this stuff to do or all this time to get it done when really you may have 10 hours a week that you can focus where you're not in a meeting or you're not doing this where you can do the kind of work that you have no idea because you've never really time-blocked your calendar and effectively managed it that way. Um, so that was a big game-changer for me. And then I am a big believer in themed days.
0: Hmm. Do you theme your days? Uh, I only theme one day. I only have one day that it doesn't, that I don't meet with clients. I only have one day that I really focus on content. Um, Yeah. And then other than that, I do block out other days to get certain things done especially when I am planning like uh, you know uh uh when I'm planning a training or something like that that really needs focus I block that out and I don't book any clients during that time as well so I think I don't have themed days most of the time but I do definitely I mean all my days are coaching that's like what I do most of the time except for a few trainings here and there so like well, I've got four days that are coaching related and then one day that's content related. And that's basically, yeah, so I do, but it's just, I only have two themes.
1: (laughs) So the thing that I
0: always encourage
1: anyone in any role, and I did this when I was sitting in in the corporate seat as a full-time EA, is I broke up my role into five days. And I said, okay, like almost always Monday, and it still is for me today, was business strategy and operations. Like if I had extra time for brain power, that's what I'm thinking about. How am I fixing some of the issues that are happening in the business or with my executive business partner or whatever that looks like? So I would try to break up my day into five buckets and then theme my day so that I could then focus on what, you know, getting ahead of some of those issues. So if if I know that, you know, my company's expense reports is once a month, that's going on my calendar. And is there anything else that's related to finance, or anything that's related that I could kind of bucket them together because I think uh, limiting contextual switching is so important, the more that you can intentionally limit it. So do you, I, I guess maybe we explain what contextual switching is.
0: yeah yeah so I think this kind of circles back full circle to the multitasking thing right like if you feel like you have to do everything all the time then you're obviously going to be paying that one bill while you're also responding that one email while you're also like booking a flight for your executive you're also booking something else like a meeting for him as well instead of showing up strategically there again and 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 actually being mindful of how your brain works when it comes to switching gears. So up to 40% of our productive time can be taken up in that switching. And I think that we forget that, like throughout our day, and this is actual science with multitasking, like up to 40% of our time can be sp- spent switching between task and vastly different tasks. What Melissa's referring to here is batching similar tasks and batching is simply grouping similar tasks together to make it easier on your brain to switch from task to task. So for example, I used to save all of my bill pay for my executive for the end of the week because I would collect bills throughout the week. I get sent bills throughout the week and some would be checks I need to cut, some would be just credit card payments I can make online, but I would do that all in the same time block. Yes. So that's what I'm talking about. So I don't necessarily have I didn't necessarily have themed days when I worked with my executive, but I certainly had certain things that I did certain times of week for him based off of the flow of the requests that were coming in, right? So that's what yeah. she that I think you correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what you meant when you said contextual. No, yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Like contextual switching and they say that it can take your brain up to 25 minutes to go from one task to another. Like yeah. you're doing, let's just say you're doing the finances and you're doing all of that, and if you get distracted by whatever it is, getting back to that thing that you were doing, it can really, like you said, you lose up to forty percent of your day, making such big um, shifts of the way that you're working. So, um, what are some of the what are some of the productivity hacks that you use to keep your life organized and together?
0: Well, for me, like you, I really really like to plan my week out. I, so because I'm my brand as a whole assistant, because I'm always looking out for what we do as assistants, I try to be the example in terms of self-care. So the first thing that lands on my list every week is when I'm going to yoga, when I'm running and my coaching call from my coach for me to meet with my coach throughout the week. So I schedule that. And then also I've got a, um, I also have like a 30 minute, uh, mentorship that I have paid for. (laughs) Uh, with my coach for my business. So I book all of those things first. Right. Um, and then I just have the recurring, the recurring meetings with my clients that, that have already been set up as well. And then I typically, so, so like, first of all, that's how I manage my calendar. And then I do a thought download of all the things I'd like to get done. And then I prioritize from there and then they land on my calendar. Um, but I do think that the batching is a big one. And I do think that like really minimizing the contextual switching, I think that as much as you can systematize, systematize because it creates predictability for your brain. And when your brain does things predictably, it makes less mistakes. And it like if it knows in the process that, oh, okay, so for example, expense reports, I reach out to my executive for receipts, Then I go to reaching out to the restaurant or the organization for a receipt. If I don't get that, I've got a template that I use for those emails because you know how easy it is to to forget to put in the date or forget to put in the last four of the credit card number, forget to put in like time of day. So I, I just, I have a template and it just streamlines everything. I'm not having to recreate the wheel over and over again. So anytime you can like systematize and like think through, am I doing a task a million different times, a million different ways? And is there a way that I can streamline the process to make it so much easier and simpler and more predictable for my brain? By the way, brains love predictability (laughs) and also to minimize mistakes. Like I don't want to be forgetting like the credit card number, you know, whatever. Like, I don't want to be forgetting that all the time. Every time I'm writing, then it's three or four emails instead of just one. So, um, So those kind of things are really, really helpful in terms of your productivity. Also, just cutting off the stream, like getting out of the app, like the Slack or whatever, like closing out of all windows that you aren't using, silencing the notifications on your phone. I never silenced. The only notification I never silenced on my phone is text because I've got kids in preschool and, and daycare and who knows if they're going to need something. And also I've taught my executive, I trained him to text me in the case of an emergency instead of emailing, because chances of me being in my inbox slim to none. <laughs> Love
1: that. Because part of this is like you building your rules of engagement of how you would work. Mm-hmm. You deciding the when and the how and the why that I'm working and then communicating it with someone else to say, hey, and and I think that the challenge comes because we don't communicate that. We feel like the sky is going to fall out if if we if we don't turn off our inbox and go into monk mode, as they call it on TikTok. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And because we've never communicated that to anyone. So I'm going to say something uber shocking. Okay, I can just collectively hear the whole admin world like really freak out when I say this. But back when I was in corporate America, I would only schedule meetings on Tuesdays Thursdays. (laughs) You heard everybody just go, oh my God. But (laughs) But the reason why I did that, now, of course, of course, if there was an oh my God meeting that had to happen tomorrow, yes, of course, I send it out. But in general, and especially the higher up that you're getting in an org, um, things are, you know, if you are doing strategic calendar planning, most of that stuff is locked in. Um, if you're doing strategic calendar planning effectively, generally it's locked in. So for me, somebody comes and they're like, oh, I need this one on one or I need this random meeting. Like, absolutely. It's, it will go out tomorrow. So if they send it to me on Monday, it goes out Tuesday. If you send it to me, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday, it goes out Thursday. And when I, had, when I communicated with my team that that's actually how I worked, um, it did a lot of different things for us. So one, it, it forced people to think more strategically um, about when and how that they were going to get meeting requests into me. Secondly, it stopped the idea that it had to come from my executive business partner if they did not own it. It wasn't coming from their calendar, which is, you know, I always heard the the statement, well, we want people to show up. Okay, we'll train them to show up when it comes from their, someone else's calendar, right? So it also pushed that off. Um, and, and then it helped me batch very similar items. Even if you chose to do that, like maybe you don't want to go as extreme as that. And maybe you just want to say, I'm only going to send emails out or invites out once a day or twice a day, whatever it is. If you have two or three of them, don't try to like send an email and do a bunch of other things and then schedule and then do a bunch of other things and schedule as much as you can quickly batch that stuff together and then crush them out so that you can go heads down and focus on the really weighty, heavy, impactful things in the business.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I I I I think I view it a little bit differently, like the the um so I would batch checking my email and and requests for my executive's time in the same batching session. Because I'm already in my inbox. I was in Outlook, so it was really easy for me to switch over to calendar mode. Also, the number of requests where they needed feedback immediately because there were lots of my my executives sat on six boards. So typically, they would need the request, need to get the feedback from each board member so that they could actually get something on the calendar. Otherwise, it could take weeks to calendar um for them. So, I think I I do think though that like thinking strategically and uh, with how mm-hmm. you want to show up for everything on your plate, your 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 calendar. Now, there again, I wasn't living in my inbox either. Yeah. Like I was being very strategic for when I showed up for my inbox. So, I would check first thing in the morning as I sat down at my desk, outline my tasks and everything for the day, get it all organized. And then close out of it for like two whole hours and get things done and then open it back up, you know? So I I realize that probably most of us won't start at two hours. I certainly didn't start at two hours, but if you can give yourself 20, 30 minutes, by all means, try that first to see how it goes for you. It also trains your brain. Like there, there is a, there is a kind of a thing too, where we're actually training our brain not to focus by allowing ourselves to be distracted by all the things. Right. By like switching back and forth and doing all the things, it's like I would find myself early on being like, I can't focus for 20 minutes. I want to check on Facebook. Like your your brain is just going to want to go here and there, and especially if you are have any sense of neurodiversity at all, like it's going to be difficult <laughs> for you. But like I would challenge us all to just give yourself that 20 minutes, set a timer, yeah, and just and just keep redirecting your brain back to the task at hand, and like train your brain to be productive, train your brain to focus on one thing at a time. It's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a little bit of doing. We're not saying it's easy, but we are saying if you delay the instant gratification and playing whack-a-mole, it's totally worth it. Right? Agreed.
1: I think when I got to the point where I was only sending meeting invites twice a week, um, making that shift to even where I was I, because my habit had always been I would send a meeting request. and maybe I should also clarify, this is not replying to other people. This is meeting request from my executive business partner. um that was coming from their calendar. So I used to stop and send them out immediately, which is what I'd always done for the majority of my career. Then I realized, like this meeting is not six until six weeks from now. It's really not until next week. Mm. Does it really have to happen right this very second when I'm trying to do this other thing, or really can it wait until two hours, can it wait for the end of the day until I can do them all at once, does it really need to happen, and even training my brain to question that was hard, yeah. like it, it was a process for me to get to where I was only sending those email, or I was sending those uh, meeting requests twice, twice a week. And I started by going, just even questioning, like, do I have to send this invite right this second? If the answer was no, then I communicated with the team, right? Like, hey, just FYI, hold it on your calendar if you need to, it'll go out in whatever time. But also because what happens, I think, for us is that when we have high priority deliverables, And if that email is or if that meeting is not one of those high priority deliverables which one are we focusing on more often than not we're sending the 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 calendar invite out rather than focusing on the high priority deliverable Um, and i think that these are thoughts that we have to really evaluate in our own mind and figure out um, why do we see that meeting that six weeks from now that's a one-on-one with a skip level why is that? Why are we prioritizing that versus this really high level um, project that we have to get done? That's really time sensitive, yeah. and we don't often do that as assistants. But when you start opening your mindset to go, "Am I empowered to make any shifts like that? Can I do that? Does it make sense for my role and for my executive business partner?" I think that's when true shifts can happen in your mindset.
0: Yeah, I will say too, like like you said, I thank you for making the distinction too between between like sending, being in your calendaring as like, as the host and calendaring as a receiver of a calendar invite. They're two different things, right? Like that makes a lot of sense. If you're sending lots of calendar invites from your executive's calendar, my last executive, I had the privilege of just being very responsive because we were constantly being sought after by by like potential like deals people were sending those to us we were constantly being sought out by um people who wanted to book board meetings like that kind of thing with him really the only things that I ever sent from his calendar were for potential investors in our fund right and other people that he wanted to meet with just to meet with them so like that distinction is a good one to make too perhaps you could schedule for the outgoing if it's not urgent you could schedule Um, you could schedule those for Tuesdays and Thursdays and then just be responsive to all the incoming ones as well as you check your email. So, um, thank you for that distinction. I I guess I've never really split them up in my head, (laughs) but you're absolutely right. It's a lot more work to actually calendar from your executive's calendar than it is to respond to somebody requesting time.
1: Yeah. Even like, you know, interestingly enough, I think even batching all of those requests, And even thinking through what are the best ways, so I don't know how many of you guys um, are in the Outlook ecosystem, but one of the things that I realized for me that was a really big game changer is that I stopped when somebody was asking for my executive business partner's time, I actually stopped replying in um, Outlook on the desktop and I started doing it on my phone because It takes time for me to look on the calendar and go, oh, he has this time available. And then I'm typing it out. All of the options on the Outlook app on my phone, I can hit one button and send availability. And then I literally am looking at the calendar and I'm just clicking the times that he's available. It puts it into, I'm sure Annie, you've seen it when I've sent those emails to you when I'm available and it puts it in this gorgeous little table and I hit send and I have, that's it.
0: Yeah, I can so, click on a time and book it with her. It's very good. Yeah, and you li- <laughs> the
1: person just clicks on it and it's like, oh, it sends it. So even like little tweaks like that, if you're figuring out, okay, I need, to res- I need to respond to this and they need a bunch of options. Okay, are you gonna type it out or just pick up your phone and just do it really quickly and boom, it's gone. So I love like little tips like that that I've learned to help me go faster. But I was also, I had to also recognize like, this is taking me a long time. If you're getting a ton of those kinds of requests, how am I responding to them? Am I going to just quickly respond on my phone or I'm going to do it on my desktop? Um, so even thinking through and building systems around how you work in minute ways like that, I think can really make big changes in the way that you work as well.
0: Absolutely. Okay. Well, I could sit here and talk to you all day. I am sure. Um but thank you so much for sharing with us today. I feel like this episode is just such a wealth of like knowledge and food for thought and strategy. And like, I feel like we should be charging for this episode. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> All of the over the
0: shoulder views of how we work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like strategies that have been tested by time and wow. le- let me tell you there is no one size fits all. So if something didn't wow. resonate with you that's okay. Like we understand that there is no one size fits all, but hopefully we've given you some good food for thought and we've gotten we've gotten the juices flowing and hopefully you'll be able to conceptualize your own systems for success. And so um that's our hope with this episode. So thank you for so much for joining me Melissa. Will you please share with everyone how they can find you and learn more about you and um, yeah, before I let you go, we just let everybody.
1: Absolutely. So you can find me on literally hashtag all the things. So you can go to my website, which is melissapeoples.com. You can find me on Instagram under admin gurus, um, on my YouTube channel is admin gurus, which is dedicated to administrative professionals and LinkedIn under Melissa Peoples. So literally anywhere you are, you can find me there.
0: And I'm just going to plug again. We're going to be doing a training together, really like high-level training and it's going to be really customized to the individual we're going to keep our group small and that training is happening happening on may 19th i'll link to it in the show notes below but i'd love to have you join us so please consider joining us for that event hopefully it's not sold out by the time this episode goes live um but i would love to have you join us for that event as well so um yeah may 19th here in denver so if you yeah Ask for your company to pay for it. It's going to be a really valuable session. uh, We're going to keep diving on all of this cool stuff. Yeah, we're really, yeah. And we just want to, we are also going to make sure that you get your questions answered, which is why we wanted to keep the group small and intimate, because we really want this to be more like a mastermind type of event. So please join us May 19th. And yeah, we look forward to seeing you there or on the interwebs as it may be. Okay, guys. Uh, be intentional, be whole. That is all for now. I help assistants apply the concepts I share on this podcast. If you're ready to take your growth deeper and you're curious whether working with me in a coaching capacity is right for you, please email me at Annie at wholeassistant.com to schedule your complimentary discovery call.